0: Wow. Welcome to life, everybody. If this is your first time, your life is going to change. If it hasn't already, it's going to change. And it's going to change very fast. Are you glad you're here today? I've got a phenomenal word um, today. We're going to go a little deep, okay? Um, You know, while most people are on vacation, our house seems to be full. Isn't it amazing? Today is a choice day because the word is so awesome that you your I'm telling you you have God has brought you here today. It's going to be good. So if you've brought your Bibles, I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8. If you brought your Bibles, you brought your phones, open up your app to John chapter 8. I never thought in my life I would say that open up your app to John chapter 8. <laughs> Uh, and before I read that, I want to give you a context. I love context because it just opens uh, the realm of, of the chapter that we're about to read. Uh, the context of, of chapter 8 actually begins in chapter 6. And Jesus is with, teaching the people and he makes some really radical, weird statements in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, he says things like, if you want to be one with me, If you want to become one with me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. See, for us, it's normal. But it would be abnormal if your pastor comes to church and says, Today, guys, you have to eat my flesh. If you want to be one with me, if you want to be one with my vision for this house, you want to walk in my anointing and power and authority, and you want to prophesy like I prophesy in details, eat my flesh drink my blood it sounds weird doesn't it you have no reaction <laughs> which means you don't understand the context of what I'm talking about you, you, you know what, I, what I'm saying it's like it's so out there that a man would come and say okay he's a teacher and just imagine you're in school now and your school teacher says eat my flesh drink my blood what is going to go through your mind so chapter 6 is all about, like, what is, what is up with this guy? He's doing miracles and all that, but he wants me to eat his flesh while he's still alive and drink his blood. So that's chapter 6. Chapter 7, we find people leaving Jesus. Like, it's like me standing here and saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And then half of the people will be like, okay, he's gone off his rails. Uh, And now we need to find another church because this guy is too much. So his own disciples leave him. His own family leave him. Right? So that's what happens in 7. And in chapter 7, the scribes and the Pharisees now watch it, okay? The scribes and the Pharisees now watch that there's division in the camp because his brothers are leaving him, his disciples are leaving him. And so now they feel like Jesus is weak and they try to catch him. In chapter 7. I'm just giving you the context, okay? And so when they try to catch him, the, the Bible says that they could not even touch him because it was not his time. Oh, come on. So I want to prophesy over you today while I'm in this moment that no demon in hell, no human spirit, no circumstance, no situation will be able to touch you because it is not your time. It's not your time. Yes. Yes. Touch your neighbor and say, Neighbor, neighbor. it's not my time. It's not, my time. Come on. Ah. Come on. not my time. It is not my time. Amen. So whenever there's division in the camp, the enemy sets a trap. Whenever there's division in the camp, the enemy sets a trap. Whenever you are in two minds, to do good or evil, the enemy sets a trap. That's a good word. Every time you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, should I buy 65 inch TV? <laughs> are you guys buying a TV? I, I, I'm 65 inch, I can tell you right now. Uh, and actually, I'll tell you where to go and buy it as well. Because the church just bought a 65-inch TV for the... Yeah, we, we, did, we did buy. Have you noticed we don't have those stands on stage? Those... Because the worship leaders were reading the lyrics off that screen over there. They did great. They did great. So give, give Kezia a hand because she was sitting leading the worship team. Come on. So whether I should buy 65-inch TV... Or 66 inch TV? Should I buy curve or flat? Should I buy this shirt, that shirt? Should I go this way? Should I do that thing? And every time you're in in the fork, you're in a fork in the road, the enemy comes and he sets a trap. Because the enemy constantly wants you to eat of the knowledge of good and evil so that you can stay where you're at and the truth never sets you free. Are you with me? Every time you're in, even in your mind, you're in, in, see the truth always sets you free. The knowledge of good and evil always gives you a choice to judge between only good and evil. Truth is not good and evil. Truth is truth. But the knowledge of good and evil causes you to be confused. So if you're confused in your life about what to do, about what to say, about where to go, what do we do five years from now? Do we live in Dubai or do we go to Australia or do we go to wherever? What do we do? Every time you're in this situation, the enemy will come and he will set a trap. And so the Jews now, the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're trying to to take him. But they can't take him because it's not his time. That's what happens when you believe the truth. When you believe the truth, it's not time. When you believe good and evil, it's time. When you believe the truth of God's word, what God says over your life, and you put your faith in it, it's never time. No enemy can touch you. No trap will work for the enemy. It will all work for you. So these guys are trying to hold Jesus and take him And Jesus just walks away. I mean, you you read in in the book of Matthew that they, they took Jesus and they tried to throw him off a cliff. And Jesus just walked through the midst of them, just like absolutely cool. Not my time. Not my time. You need to tell your situations that are coming up in your life every circumstance and situation, every trap that the enemy has set, every bad habit, everything that the enemy is trying to do in your life. You gotta tell him, it's not my time. But see, the, the beauty about God is that the uh, sorry the, the enemy sets a trap for you, but God makes a way. Come on. Amen. Come on. Amen. Jesus. The enemy sets a trap, but God makes a way. You know, the book of 1 Corinthians uh, says that that there is no temptation that is greater than what you can bear. It starts off by saying, "Is God is faithful. There is no temptation that you can't bear. And even if you are tempted, God will make a way. Amen. So if people are struggling with temptation, people are struggling with, with, with indecision, there's insecurity, all of that stuff. It's because you're, you're standing in front of the knowledge of good and evil. But God has made a way. So the enemy sets a trap for you, but God has made a way. So now the context of this is now 6 and 7 is that they try to capture him, but God has made a way. And so now because they cannot hold on to Jesus and take him into prison, they're trying to trap him with his words. And so now chapter 8 is about the trap. Okay, say the trap. And we'll read from verse 2. Are you there? Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. That's amazing, huh? And he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Say "Adultery." adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what do you say this they said testing him that they might have something to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear Jesus stooped down and wrote something on the ground as though he did not hear. They bring this woman to Jesus to trap him in his words, not realizing he is the word. And they caught this woman in the act. What were they doing? (laughs) Huh? Just imagine. They caught the woman in the act. What were they doing? What were they doing? Very interesting question, right? So Jesus stooped down and wrote something in the ground. And I've, I've listened to people speculate as to what Jesus wrote on the ground. But what he, if it was important, it would be in the Word. So we just don't speculate. Because that's the knowledge of good and evil. Let's, let's just focus on what Jesus said. Because what he has to say can set you free. Are you with me? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Wow. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing in the midst. When, he, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Phenomenal absolutely phenomenal. They bring Jesus, they bring to Jesus a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. Uh, For time's sake, I'm not going to explain what adultery is because I think most people know it. These people have come now and they brought this woman caught in adultery and they're saying, Jesus, the law of Moses says that we should stone this woman. What do you have to say? I want to, I want to propose another angle to the story to you. Firstly, what were they doing looking at this woman in the act of adultery? Secondly, where's the guy? Why did they only bring the woman? Where's the guy? It takes two people to commit adultery. Right? So firstly, the case is, is a trap. Secondly, it is easy to get out of. Because if you don't understand what Moses' law says, Moses' law says, when, a, when two people are caught in the act of adultery, bring them into the center, and now the nation will stone them. That's the law of Moses. And so they bring one person who's caught in the act of adultery, which means the guy was their friend, that they let go so that they can trap Jesus in his words. Because they cannot manhandle him and take him in. Now they have to accuse him of false doctrine. They, because Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was—he loved those who, who, who were lost. He came for those who were lost. And so they wanted to trap Jesus in his words because they want to trap him in the mercy of love. God's mercy for the sinner versus the law of Moses. They want to trap him. Jesus, say something that, that, can, that we can accuse you of, of the law. You yeah. can accuse you. You're breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus is so smart. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even bother. He doesn't answer the question. They're asking him, what should we do to her? What do you say? And Jesus says, if you have any sin in your heart, throw the first stone. See, they were looking at the exterior. We are perfect on the exterior. Why? Because no one caught me in sin. But my heart is already defiled because I was looking at them in sin. Oh, come on. come on. My heart was defiled when I caught these two people in sin because I I knew they were going to sin. So which means now it led me to, to go to that tent, to go to that room and see what they were doing. So while they were in the act, I caught the woman because the guy was my friend probably. And I set him away so that I can bring this woman. I I want Jesus. I don't want you. I want Jesus. And Jesus, instead of looking at their actions, looks at the heart. And today I want to talk to you in this series on the matters of the heart about the Christ conscience. Okay? So the title of my sermon is The Mature Conscience. Okay so it's a it's a very good teaching and I want you to to, to grow today just tell your neighbor today's an upgrade so get ready Thank you Christopher so I want to I want you to see that The communication between a defiled conscience, a person who has a defiled conscience versus a person who has a clean conscience. They brought this woman who is a sinner and the law says that she should be stoned. They brought this woman into the midst of the church and they're saying, pastor, the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? And the And Jesus is is talking to them and he says, if you have sin in your heart, if you don't have sin, if you are perfect before God, then you cast your first stone. Which means that you should have not had a bad thought. Which means your conscience should have been so clean that you you did not even, when you saw them in the act of adultery, it should not even have told you that, that that was adultery. Are you with me? See, the law causes you to see the negative. The defiled conscience causes you to see the negative in people around you. Because you judge people according to the defilement of your conscience. You look at people in a negative way because your conscience is negative. But Jesus never looked at the, although he knew the woman was a sinner and he says, don't sin anymore. He says, neither do I judge you. Neither do I condemn you. Why? It's because his heart was clean to the woman. And so you you see the difference in in the conscience, the Christ conscience, and a defiled conscience. There's a there's a difference, there's a safety, there's a security, there's an authority, there's power, there's there's just there's just so much of, of love in in a clean conscience. Versus a defiled conscience. A defiled conscience is nasty. It's, it's like, ah, it's abrupt. It, it wants to take revenge. It wants, it wants the law to have its effect. But a clean conscience just wants to have mercy. Just wants to have love. No matter who you are, what you've done, I don't condemn you. No matter what gossip I've heard about you, I don't look at you like that. It's a clean conscience. And so I wanna I want us to have an upgrade today because the we've grown up with a moral law, and the moral law tells us the difference between good and bad, good and evil. You know, and we grew up uh, people telling us don't do this, don't do that. Drink only milk when you're till eight years old. After that, don't drink milk. All of this, eat, don't eat meat don't eat this don't eat that all of these things the knowledge of good and evil but the word of god the truth says all things are good all things are good and so there's a difference between a clean conscience a christ conscience and and a and a defiled conscience i want to tell you something it's not the act that matters it's the state of your heart before god that matters to god It's not how amazing your worship is in church, how amazing, how much money you put in in the offering. It's not about that, but it's the state of your heart. Is your heart defiled? Is it defiled by the knowledge of good and evil or is it cleansed by the truth of God's word? That's what matters. See, because these people, they did not know that they were coming into the presence of God And when they came into the presence of God, they thought they were trapping Jesus, but they were actually pouring out their conscience. They were sharing their heart with him. That's why it was very easy for Jesus to say, oh, I know this is a trap. See, if you have a clean conscience, you can smell a trap anywhere. You can smell a trap. You can see a trap coming from far. There were people, there are people who are, uh, like, like the guy who had the miracle uh, at his job. It was a week before. I didn't have, actually didn't have a dream. I, I was lying in bed and I had a vision and I saw this woman of a certain nationality. She was in the kitchen and she was cooking something. Right? And as soon as she saw me in the kitchen, because I went into her kitchen, I went into the office where they were actually scheming against him. As soon as she saw me, she cut her finger and everything that she was cooking got spoiled. That's the vision that I had. And this was two weeks before anything could happen. And I said, this is what the Lord wants to say to you. That everything that they're cooking, every scheme that they're planning will work against them, but it will be in your favor. But you've got to come and you've got to have a clean conscience about that person. When, I, when I'm prophesying over Alia's mom, I have a clean conscience. That's why there's a, there's a security, there's a power, there's an authority when you speak. They, people come to me and say, oh John, this is what I think about you. I, I don't care. Because my conscience is clean towards what I do. My conscience is clean towards my people, towards my work, towards my wife, towards God. My conscience is clean. Because of that, there's a safety, there's a security, there's an authority that flows out from my life. A clean conscience is a must. But you can have a clean conscience, but still have uh, the knowledge of good and evil from the time you're growing up. Causes you to to decide and make decisions in your life. Even till today, it's still there. But we've got to understand that we are maturing. We, it's, a, it's a progress. We're maturing. Every single week, every single day, we are maturing. And the only thing that matures us is God's Word. Yeah. Alright? Well, you're very quiet, but that's absolutely fine. You know, every time I've, people uh, have spoken about the conscience, they misunderstand the conscience with consciousness. And a lot I've I've taught on consciousness as well, and, and it's not a new age term. Don't worry, conscience also is not a new age term. It's actually biblical. Uh, and people get confused between conscience and consciousness. Consciousness is an awareness. It's 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 a it's an awakened state. Are you awake? Yes. So you're conscious? Yes. But you can be conscious in a room, but not conscious to God in the room. Right? If you were sitting with the king in this room, would you allow tiredness to affect your attention? No. So when you do get tired in church, it's because you've slipped out of consciousness, of an awareness of God in the room. Are you with me? But in order for consciousness to be, for you to be awakened, in, come into an awakened state, your conscience evokes the consciousness. Okay? It's your conscience. A pure conscience evokes or it, it quickens the consciousness. So if you're not quickened on the inside in your conscience, you will not be aware of consciousness or God in the room. If you're not aware of Christ in you, you can never be aware of Christ around you. You will never be aware of Christ in people. Because you're not quickened on the inside. You, you understand that? Okay. That's good. So, uh, how, do you, how do you mature and grow in conscience? Okay. The law of Moses says that if a person is caught in adultery or people are caught in adultery, bring them and stone them. Right? So, I'm, I'm teaching you now how to mature. In con, in conscience. Okay, how to mature in conscience? You, you, you've come last week, and uh, we we taught on the clean conscience, and your conscience is clean. But how do you grow? How do you mature in this conscience? Okay. So the law, I want to show you a quick thing from 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 two portions of the Bible where it, how the difference between the old and the new. Okay. So in the law of Moses, you have. Uh, the, the word says that if a person commits adultery, two people commit adultery, you stone them. Okay? You, it's easy. Relax. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Don't worry. It's fine. It's all good. Just be peaceful. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Don't worry. I don't. Hey, I just want you to know, I don't get distracted. Okay? Neither do my people. We love you and we're happy that you're here. Okay, even your son. It's absolutely fine. absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. Just keep him. Don't take him out. Just leave him. It's fine. So, where were we? Right. So, in, in the law of Moses, the law of Moses says that we have to stone these people. Right? The reason why we have to stone these people is because they have committed an outward act. Okay? So let's say a a scribe and a Pharisee, a person who knows the the law of God, is watching himself externally. Okay? He looks at people committing adultery and lusts after the, the woman, but he doesn't commit the act. Before God, he's pure. Why? It's because if you're caught in the act of adultery, then you should be stoned. But if you're watching, if you're looking at a woman with lust in your heart, you've not committed adultery. So because of that, people in, in, in the law, they were more afraid of the law than they were, had the fear of the Lord in them. So there was a, the law came and it separated people from God. Are you with me? And the law constantly told people that you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. So they always saw themselves as sinners. So when they saw themselves as sinners, they sinned more. That's right. So even if a person, two people were in adultery and no one caught them. Are you listening? Yeah. Please be, because people will ask you questions. Okay. Even if they were caught in the act of adultery, sorry, if they're not caught in the act of adultery, they escaped Yes, they sin before God. They know it's... it's, it's sin. So once a year, they would go and they would place their hands on the animal and they would confess their sins on the animal and they would get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? So they, the law created a system where people did not need God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you get it? And if you are living under that system, you're more afraid of do's and don'ts. You're, you're more afraid of religion. You're more afraid of what, what people might say. You're, you're stuck under a system of performance where you don't need God. But Jesus is so awesome because in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, he says this. The law of Moses says, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, God is saying. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The standard between the old and the new has changed. What you used to believe, man, no, you know, no, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at pornography. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Uh, But pastor, I, I, I didn't, I didn't go through with it. Do you understand? I I look at, I looked at this, this woman in the bar and then, and then, but then, you know, I was, uh, I I didn't go through with it. Does that mean I've sinned? Well, according to the law, you haven't. But according to grace, you have absolutely sinned against God. See, this: the standard is, is not higher. The standard is called an upgrade. The standard is not Just higher. It's an upgrade. Which means that that Jesus is saying if a man or woman looks at another man or woman with lust in your conscience. Which means if your conscience is defiled about what you see in a man. Oh, he's wearing tight jeans today. Ooh, look at him. Huh? (gasps) He's a good potential. Um, Check her out, dude. Check her out. She's coming into the room. Look at what she's got. See, your conscience, and no, this, I'm not talking with friends. This is your conscience and you're having a chat. You teach your conscience, you're telling your conscience, well, look at that figure. And what's happening is your conscience is getting defiled and then you're, you're in church, right? So now worship starts. And you're standing and Jesus, Jesus. And God's Jesus looking at you, going, <laughs> Just now, as you're walking into church, you sinned. And you want me to bless you? Mm. You know what? I'll wait for the blessing, I'll hold on to the blessing, but I've got an upgrade for you. And sometimes we wonder why we're not getting blessed. Why we're not having this breakthrough Pastor, I prayed and, and I worshipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's in the heart, buddy? What is in your heart? Because what is in your heart really talks to God all the time. More than your mouth Your heart talks to God. It testifies against you. It either accuses you or excuses you. It's like a guy who's standing there going, he did it. I saw it. I felt it. I was in him. I was awake while it was happening. You can't escape this. You did it. And God's going, well, we'll just hold on to the blessing. It's for you. But I'll wait for you to receive the upgrade. So I'm teaching you the upgrade now, yes. right? So in the old, your actions would get you brownie points with God. In the new covenant, your heart gets brownie points with God. God is not looking at your actions. Because if he changes your heart, then your actions change. Yeah, that's right. A Good word, yeah. That one guy who, who's getting it, yeah. Now, you grew up knowing mom and dad told you, don't do this, don't touch a girl, don't look at her like this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And you grew up now like that. So your conscience is formed. Okay? Because of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? You come to church, our church, and you hear what Jesus has to say. What Jesus has to say is, son, daughter, my friend, if you look at a person with lust in your heart, which means you can look at people, I want to set some men free. The issue is not looking at people, the issue is the lust in the heart. they're getting it better. Right? There's so much of fear in married couples that the husband cannot look. Now the issue is there's lack of trust in the wife because she knows his heart is defiled. Oof. So both need work. I'm not going down marriage, okay? I promise myself I'll not do that. So you, you, have, you have this situation now and then you come into church and you're listening to a word. But it's just a word until you realize how God made you. The reason why you look the way you do is because you were made in the image and likeness of Jesus. See, in the garden, the model for, for man was Jesus. Jesus, God the Father, looked at Jesus and made man. So he made man in the image. They carried the likeness. But when they sinned because of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost the ability to transform into the likeness of Jesus. Are you with me? So they would fellowship with God in the cool of the day. And they would hang out with God and they would hear his word. And every time they would hear the truth of God's word, they would allow that to form their conscience. And now because of that, the Christ conscience, a mature conscience would mature in them. And now they would walk on the earth in the image and the likeness of Jesus. So if your heart's desire is the same as God's desire for your life, which is to be like Jesus, right? then you need an upgrade. If people just want to come to church and just sit and do religion, that's not for you. But if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be transformed into His image and likeness, you want to do what He did, you want to speak the way He did, you want to carry the power that Jesus carried, all, all of that stuff. You want to move in, in, in His inheritance as a child of God, as a son of God. You, you, want, you need to know that all those promises that are over your life only are accessible through Jesus. They are not accessible outside of Jesus. So you want to receive prophetic words and you want, God, you gave me this promise. You gave me all of these things. All of those promises are accessible only through Jesus. He is the model through which your life becomes perfect. And so God now has set this thing in motion. Now Adam and Eve get separated. Have you ever noticed, have you ever read in the Bible that after Adam sinned and God sent him out of the garden, He never spoke to God. God spoke to his sons. Come on, man. That's why Adam never matured. He just stopped where he was. But then Jesus comes along, the second Adam. How did Jesus come? Into this world, he came in the likeness of human flesh. Oh, come on! He came in the likeness of human flesh, and when he comes like you and me, he dies, he pays the price so that you and me can have this place that Adam lost with God this place where him, you, and God can fellowship like they did in the garden so that you can hear truth. And your conscience can be matured, and so that when your conscience is matured, now you can recognize the trap of the enemy. Oh you can recognize the, the workings of the devil around you, you can recognize schemes, everything that is happening around you, you can recognize it even before it's happening. And just like Jesus, you you don't they're standing with stones in their hand. And just like Jesus, you don't even look at the stones. You're not even bothered about the aggression. You're not even bothered about terrorism. You're standing there and you're you're, you're doodling in the ground. And the first word that comes out of your mouth is so powerful. Because it's so, it's come from such a clean conscience. It is so powerful. It sets Jesus outside of the trap. It makes the trap of no effect. But it also sets a sinner woman free ah come on see your conscience is not just for you alone every time you have a clean conscience and and you're and you're in a position where you see someone who's a sinner who's brought into your presence even the word that you speak makes a way for her to come out of sin See, Jesus Jesus could have said, well, you're a prostitute, you're sleeping around, you're doing all these things. And just like them, I condemn you. But Jesus says, no, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more, which means he knew she was a sinner. But he did not hold her sin against her. Even though her conscience was defiled. You never know, man, why a woman becomes a prostitute. You never know. You don't know whether, where, what happens to an alcoholic when they're drinking. You don't know. You don't know what happens to a drug addict, why they're taking those drugs. You don't know what happens to a person who's addicted to pornography and all these things in their life, they're addicted. Why people are addicted to gossip. You thought only extreme. I was coming for other stuff, don't worry. Huh? Why these people are addicted is because there's an insecurity because of the knowledge of good and evil. Because of the knowledge of good and evil, good and bad, they're in a place of indecision, so the enemy sets a trap. Just like Adam and Eve. It just, she was constantly hanging around the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and because he knew she, was in a, she did not have full knowledge of the truth, he set a trap. And when she fell into that trap, it separated them from God. See, today you're sitting in this room. Some of you guys are sitting in this room and, you know, you're like, okay, what's this guy so passionate about? I'm, I'm passionate about this because it's taken me four years to learn this subject on the conscience. Personally, my wife and I had to go through each and everything that I'm teaching you today because I, I'm passionate because as I'm speaking, I'm setting you free no matter what you've gone through in your life no matter how deep the state of sin in your life I am come here to tell you that there is a way there is a way there is a way it's when you When you realize that your conscience was built, formed by the knowledge of good and evil, and now you're hearing a word that is so different, it's like, oh, even if I even if I look with a defiled heart, I have sinned before God. Now you know the standard of the Christ conscience. If you want to be like Jesus, I'm not saying it's up to you, but I'm just saying if your desire, see Jesus says, I do not do or say anything that I do not see the father doing or hear him saying. He was in perfect alignment with God the father all the time. If you want God's will for your life to be fulfilled in your life, you've got to be perfect in perfect alignment with Jesus. You've got to be perfect, perfectly aligned with the father. You have to be. If you want to know what God's will is for your life and you want to fulfill it in your life, you've got to be in perfect alignment with the Father. If, it's, if you're not in perfect alignment with the Father, it's because your conscience has been defiled. Are you with me? If your conscience has been defiled, and it's okay, it's absolutely fine. You can now come into a place like this and upgrade your conscience. Touch your neighbor and say, it's time for an upgrade. Is anybody interested in an upgrade? Okay. So the way you upgrade your conscience is by saying, God, I spent too much time with the knowledge of good and evil. Now I hear the truth. Because the Christ conscience is such a higher standard that it only that even in my human understanding, I can't achieve it. Just think about it. God is saying, if you look at a woman with, with a lust in your heart, you've already committed sin. The standard is so high. You only need God to be that standard in you. So the only way that God allows you to become the standard is by giving you his word. So he reveals Jesus to you. He reveals the standard that Jesus ha- has. Not what anybody else has. Jesus has this standard. And he says, this is the standard for you. And as soon as you receive that word and you say, God, this is going to be my standard. I believe it. When you, when you say that and you say you believe it, now the word comes like a seed and it falls into you and now it starts becoming the standard. Now grace becomes the standard in which you live. So now your, your heart, the word of God begins to clean your heart. It just completely washes your heart. The blood of Jesus washes your heart completely of all defilement and now you have an upgraded conscience and now the next time you look at a woman, you don't think the same thoughts. Jesus says, if you believe, if you believe in me, you say, God, I've lived all my life. It's a habit, God. Yeah, Jesus says this. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. (laughs) Pluck it out. Which means he's saying, remove the option of sin in your life. Remove the option of being trapped. What does that mean? Get away from the tree. Get to the right tree. Get away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because every time you're there, you seem to get trapped. You seem to get tempted. Leave the tree and stand in front of the truth because the tree of life the tree of life sets you free. You're, right now, this is like surgery happening to you. But I'm I'm being patient with you. Okay, I'm being patient with your upgrade because God is removing stuff right now in your heart. I can see it happening. It's like heart surgery. It's good. It's okay. But don't fall asleep during the heart surgery. You need to be awake. Okay. So I want to show you in the Bible how does how this happened. Okay, go to one second Corinthians chapter three. <clears throat> I wanna show you how truth transforms your conscience. The the reason why it's a heavy word is because a defiled conscience is causing you to drift away. It's causing you it's it's hard for you to take the word. And I'll tell you and I'll show you why it's hard. It's because there's a veil over your eyes. If there's a veil over your years because of, ye- of years and years, not years, years and years, not years and years, years of, of listening to the knowledge of good and evil. See, you go to school, right? They tell you knowledge of good and evil, common sense, common sense. I'll tell let me tell you something. God is above common sense. He's not common. He's special. He's exclusive. He's not common. So God has not called you to be commoners. So don't rely, don't put your faith in common knowledge. Upgrade. Tell your neighbor, upgrade. Yes. Upgrade. Are you in 2 Corinthians? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Can you see it? Yes. Is your heart clean? Yes. Very good. Uh, this side is saying yes. What about this side? Yes. Okay. So we're going to read a large portion of scripture, okay? It's going to be good. Read from verse 4. And we have such trust... Through Christ toward God. Now that we are sufficient, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency or ability is from God. That's what I was talking about. The grace that comes from the Word of God that we receive is sufficient for us. Okay? Okay? Say yes. Yes. Verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the? Spirit. Oh, say it. Spirit. Spirit. For the letter kills, but the? Spirit kills oh, come on now. This is, this is a huge shift. This is a huge shift that is taking place right now. He's saying, Paul is saying, Look at me, look at me. Okay, Paul is saying, he's saying, We are we are no longer messengers or ministers of the letter. Which means the law of Moses, which was written on, on tablets of stone, this message that is written on the pages. Listen, let me tell you something. Wars have been fought over this book. People have died over this book. People have invaded countries. Crusaders have done invasions and all that thing because of this book. That's what he's trying to say. The letter kills. Whether New Testament, Old Testament. Without the spirit, it will kill you. We think, oh, law is Old Testament. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Okay? The difference is New Covenant versus Old Covenant. It's not the New Testament versus Old Testament. Please, we have to upgrade. Say upgrade. upgrade. This is an upgrade. The, the scripture says that the spirit has inspired the scripture. Right? So which means if, if the spirit is inspiring the scripture, without the spirit, this letter can kill. Which means I can take the Bible and I can bash you on your head. And you will suffer under the pressure and you will always live under the law. And pastors and preachers have all been doing that for years and years. They've been taking the Bible and condemning people and smashing them over the head and saying, you are not worthy, you need to repent of your sins. Go say ten Hail Marys and do this and do that and then God will forgive you. Actually, they're just defiled consciences being convicted by the word, preaching it to you. I'll just. Hey, listen. Thank God you're listening to the truth today. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You know, when people tell you to do things in order to become, conscience is defiled. i give you a high five for that. (laughs) When people tell you You have to do things in order to become the righteousness of God, in order to receive a blessing, in order to to progress in life, to get an upgrade. It's a defiled conscience talking to you. Okay, we'll continue reading, okay, because I need to set you free. So, we are ministers of the spirit and not of the letter. I'm not here to preach from a book I'm here to minister the spirit to you. See, Jesus says, my word is spirit and it is life. Please understand. Now I'm I'm going deeper in the sense that the knowledge of good and evil, the moral sense that you had, the conscience that you formed, was because of the knowledge of good and evil. Or because of the law of Moses. It's the letter. Every time I minister the letter, people die. But every time I minister the spirit or the letter with the spirit sets people free and people start living. Do you understand? Why? Because the spirit is the word of God. The word of God is the truth of God. The truth is the spirit. Come on. Can somebody tell me they're understanding what I'm saying? Right? So the spirit of God Is the word of God. Why? Because Jesus says, my word is spirit and it is life. So I'm not just talking to you. I'm releasing spirit. I'm ministering the spirit. So there's an upgrade that happens to your conscience from the letter living under the law to now living according to the spirit. Now you're getting it. Mm. Very good. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death, oh my gosh, Paul is just going for it. Written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Look at me now, okay? He's calling the ministry of the letter the ministry of death. When people are preaching the law, they're not setting you free, they're actually putting you in bondage. Do you understand? Why? Because the law tells you you are not good enough. The law tells you you will always be a sinner. You will never reach the standard of God's righteousness. You will never live by the grace of God. So people have already f- always felt like I'm unworthy. When I come into the presence of God, before I worship, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I ask the blood of Jesus to wash me clean. Blood of Jesus. I need to go when you come before God. I need to come into the presence of God. No, you don't come into the presence of God. You don't come into the presence of God. You're already there. In fact, the presence of God has already come into you. Come on. Some of you are like, ah, all my life they told me, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I'll enter his praise with thanksgiving. We sang songs about entering into the courts. and Yes, the Psalms talk about it, for sure. But the, but the issue is you don't understand that God is now living on the inside of you. That you are that tabernacle. You are the temple of God where God's presence dwells. So so you need to understand that in order for me to get upgraded, my conscience is pivotal for transformation. I told you today is going to be good. So for me to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, my conscience is pivotal. Pivotal, which means the guy is the one that makes it tick. The conscience is the one who makes my mind transform. Why? It's because God is after your heart. That's what He touches first. God touches your heart, then your heart changes your mind, and then your mind changes your soul, your soul changes your body, and now you walk around like Jesus. Do you understand? Come on, man. Please. This is a smart church, right? Yes. Yeah. You sure? Yes. You're getting it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But if the ministry of death was written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Which means the, the law of Moses had a glory. But this glory was a fading glory, which means it was passing by. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you understand. If you want to be a good person, okay, the law says do good. Right. If you do good, good will come back to me. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, which means if I want to grow in goodness, means I need to do more good. I do good to Kelsey, do good to Mac, do good. Amanda so now goodness from three people will come to me if I want to grow in more goodness now I do goodness Amanda Mac Kelsey Emmanuel and then Chris and then Carlos so which means now I've grown in goodness that's the law do you understand but if I want an upgrade in my heart I receive a good word what I need in my heart is the spirit when I have the goodness of God living on the inside of me, now I don't need to do good in order to be good. Now I am good, that's why I do good. Come on. Do you understand? Yeah. So, so you need to understand now that every time I do good to someone and that goodness comes to me, that goodness coming to me is glory. Do you understand? If I I invest money, then that profit that comes to me is glory, right? A lot of people, see, now you'll understand, oh, tithes and offerings, I want to sow into the church. Have you heard of that? We've thought about it, right? So there are three things quickly that you need to understand about giving, okay? There's investments that happen into business, okay? That you invest knowing the risks and you get a reward out of it, that's your profit, okay then people have taught in church we have taught in church that you can sow into church which means if you sow into church that you're expecting a reward but whatever seed you sow that's the reward that you get it is still limited which means it will fade away Jesus comes on the scene now and he says if you give don't expect anything in return huh Upgrade. You see the conscience upgrading like that. He's upgrading. Oh, before I was, I, I was, I was because I needed the glory. I needed more money, so I need to invest. I need to, I need to sow seed. I sow seed. Okay, I'll wait for some time. Don't dig it up because they teach on massive teaching. Don't dig it up while it is in the ground. And so I'm waiting. I'm waiting, expecting. Sow into the church. Sow into people's lives. Sow into this. But you will get a reward. You don't know when, but it will come. But then Jesus says. If you give an offering, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's an upgrade. And then he says, if you give uh, give to the poor, now you're storing up treasures in heaven. Wow, Wow, that's an upgrade. Which means I'm not looking for treasure here on the earth. So, So Jesus is trying to say, if you now give into the kingdom right? If you give, not sow, not invest. If you give into the kingdom, you give an offering. Now what happens is that there's a glory that is attached to it. Why? Because now you're giving according to an upgraded conscience. You're giving according to a conscience that you know that is attached the spirit of God to it. And when it's attached to the spirit, now you know that glory can never fade away. Which means when you give into the kingdom, don't expect something in return. Don't sow into the kingdom. Don't invest into the kingdom. Just give and give and give. Keep on giving. Because when you keep on giving, Jesus now is watching the heart. And he's seeing the conscience is upgraded now. When the conscience is upgraded now, there's eternal reward. Oh, come on. I need a drink. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. When you give into the kingdom and you're giving into this house, if you are expecting, oh, pastor needs to call me. If he does call you, you received your reward. Yeah. 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 Do you understand? It's You have to catch it. It's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. You've got to get it. Yeah. I never sow into people's lives because I'm too busy giving into the kingdom. It's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. Because people, like this is my money. No, that's a lie. Yeah. That's right. It's not your money. That's right. You're a steward of God's money. Yeah. Yes. So keep your heart clean to a- Bless you. That's really good. Keep your heart clean. Bless you over there. Keep your heart clean towards money. Yeah. Because you're a steward of God fi- God's finances now. Don't worry about what the pastor does. Don't. Because it's not your problem. Because if you want to know what he does, pay attention. If you find out what he does and you judge it, you've received your reward. You've killed the seed that you've sown. Oh, come on. Come on, man. you got to get it. Please, please get it. This section, are you getting it? Are you sure? Okay. Jesus said, man, if you're fasting and praying, don't tell people. Why? Because th- these people who, who love the marketplace, who love the stage, would stand up on the stage and they would say eloquent prayers. What are they doing? They're sowing. Why? Because when people give compliments, Jesus says, that's the reward. What happens when the meeting is over and everybody goes away? It's faded away. Come on now. Uh, come on. That's why I don't depend on people's compliments. In fact, if you, even if you don't give me a compliment, I'm, in fact, I don't want a compliment because if you give me a compliment and I take it, I've already received my reward. So if I receive my, if I've received my reward, that means I've lost the spirit of the reward because it's the spirit that gives life and it's the spirit that sustains life. It's the spirit that gives you the glory and it's the spirit that sustains the glory. Do you understand? Now, every time I receive the word, I understand I'm receiving truth. Every time I receive truth, I've received a spirit that will never fade away. So if you're saying, "What, John, what is the Christ conscience? A Christ conscience is a conscience of glory that will never fade away. Unfading, it will never fade away. Okay, so can I, can we, are you enjoying this? Okay. I'm in the mood to teach today, okay? <coughs> right. Verse 8. So he's saying, sorry, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Wow. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, Are you listening? Are you sure you're listening to the Bible now? Huh? If the ministry of of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. What he's trying to say is that the glory of the law is nothing compared to the glory of the Spirit. For Verse 10. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. Because the glory that. Oh, come on. The glory that. The glory that. Now look look at me, look at me. Please, I need you to say it. The glory that. Another word for that is upgrade. Another word for that is mature. Mature. You understand? So he's trying to say, he's saying, When you are focused on the law, the knowledge of good and evil, and you're you're living according to that, it's not a problem. There's a glory. But that glory will fade. Which means you need to do more in order to get more. But when you're in the spirit, this spirit, you receive truth once it comes and lives on the inside of you. Are you listening? Huh? Are you sure? Once that truth comes and lives on the inside of you and it forms your conscience, now you have the Christ conscience in you, now that conscience starts upgrading itself. Oh, come on. It becomes excellent today. It's called a spirit of excellence. See, being, having a worship team and having a drive for excellence is awesome. But if the spirit is not there, you will have no excellence. You'll have perfection. There's a difference between excellence and perfection. Excellence is a spirit. Perfection is performance. Do you understand? When you go to your offices, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for excellence. Why? Because he's an excellent God. Are you with me? So as you, as you receive the word today, now your system is being upgraded to an excellent system, to an excellent conscience, a more excellent conscience. And now as the word, man, I, I, I just need more of the word. Give me more of the word. Give me more of the word. As you receive more truths, truths. Truth keep coming into you. It forms your conscience and you become, you excel in everything. You excel in your studies. You excel in your business. You excel in your family. You excel in everything that you do. If you want to grow, you need a spirit of excellence. Are you with me? Verse 11. For if what was passing away was glorious. Come on, read this with me. What remains is? So you understand why we have long sermons? It's because I want you to come in and then go back different. I need you to be upgraded every single week. In fact, I want to challenge you. I want you to be upgraded every single day. Every day, upgrade, 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 upgrade. Because the more you upgrade, the more the glory excels. It increases. Now, wow, I start doing things. Oh, my gosh, I don't even need money anymore. I'm so fi- You know, Kelsey and I, we hardly ever think of food these days. We were just like from, like the other day we were, uh, we ate dinner at I think about 8 o'clock. And next day, 2.30, we were, were like, okay, I think we should eat something. Why? It's because the spirit of excellence is just whew, filling us. There's so much of energy. Do you understand? Yeah. Do you want to live like that? Where you save so much of money on food. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Now it's going to get interesting. Okay? Do you have time? Are you sure you need this? Okay. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day the veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Wow, that was happening till today. But because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now. Look at me, look at me. Uh, we'll get to the second part again. What, what Paul is trying to say here is that when Moses went to meet with God on the mountaintop for 80 days, he came back and his face was shining like the sun. You've heard that before. I've preached about it as well. And I spoke about the presence of God. And you, every time you're in the presence of God, it has an effect on your physical body. Do you understand? So the word and the presence is a high value in this church. Why? Because we're affected by it. Right? So now, he he, he comes down the mountain and his face is shining and he freaks everybody out. So now he has to, every time he talks to people, he has to put a veil over his face. But the issue with that was Moses was not filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) See, the Holy Spirit started filling people only after Jesus. Till then, he was on people. So the Holy Spirit would come upon him, his face would shine like the sun and then he would put a veil over his face but the issue was Israel did not see that his face would start becoming normal again. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why he put a veil over his face, not because after a while, not because his face was shining like the sun, he put a veil on his face to show people that the glory was still there. So an entire generation of, of people who lived under the law looked at Moses with the veil and thought that I need to do works in order to have the glory. I need the knowledge of good and evil. I need, co- I need this moral sense. Their conscience was formed by saying, so Moses, Moses misled people. Come on. Am I saying something about Moses. Yes, I'm saying something about Moses. Because the Bible is talking about him. And he's saying, Moses, every time he was with with people, he would cover his face and he would say, Thus says the Lord, do this and don't do that. And everybody thought, wow, Moses. His glory is so much that because he is doing this and doing that, his do's and don'ts, maybe we also need to do the same. So that the glory can remain. But the Bible does not say that the glory was on any other person. Yeah. Yeah. it doesn't say that the glory was on the whole nation of israel only one guy and he had to he every time he would enter into the presence of god he would take off the veil and he would look at god face to face and the glory would shine and then as he was coming out he would let people see the glory and then cover his face and talk to them and people would think that moses every time he's outside the presence of god his face was still shining so which means i need to sacrifice animals so which means i need to give my tithes I need to give my offerings. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to make sure that the sheep does not have any spots and it is completely pure because I need the glory. And so Moses, Brother Mosey, misled an entire generation of people. And it says, but their minds were blinded. Man, he misled an entire generation to believe a lie. Until the time of Jesus, they still believed the lie. Every time they look at Moses, they're reading the Old Testament. There was a, it Literally, there was a veil over their conscience. Oh, come on. This is why I'm saying the conscience is pivotal in your transformation. Every time the, it says that, that, but their minds were blinded. It's, Jesus says, hey, the eye of your mind. Paul says, let the eye of your mind be enlightened. Why is he saying that? It's because there's a veil that is on your face. There's a veil that is on your conscience that is hindering you from receiving the word. That is why when I started, you were like, I'm not getting it. It's not, I don't understand. It's not coming. This is too deep for me. I need to go to a church that gives me milky food food that I can understand. No, the problem is your conscience is defiled and your ears and your is, is deaf to the word of God. Your eyes are blind to seeing God. It's because of a defiled conscience. And so, and so here we have an issue. But their minds were blinded for until this day the veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil, today the veil is taken away in Christ. So every time you receive the word, you're listening, you're not falling asleep. Every time you receive the word of God in church, that is the truth. The veil of your conscience is taken away. You're not blinded anymore. You're not sitting in church blind and deaf and mute and dumb and all that kind of stuff. The veil is taken over. You're not living under the law. Why? Because you've received the word. You received Christ. Are you with me? But verse 15, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Verse 16, nevertheless. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He says, nevertheless, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what state your conscience is. If you listen to the word today and you've understood the word and you've taken it in, it means that the veil, that word has taken the veil away. The only thing that can take the veil away is the word. It is the truth that can set you free. There is nothing else. There's no good works that can cleanse your conscience if your conscience is defiled if your conscience is formed by the knowledge of good and evil the only thing that can take this veil away this blindness away is the word of God and then it says this verse 17 now it says now once the veil is removed it says now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty what do you have freedom from? It's not freedom from bondage. It's not freedom from addictions. It's not freedom from temptation. It's freedom from the law. It's freedom from that thing that blinds you during the week. It's freedom. You, you can, people come to church and, and this happens with Christians a lot. They come to church and it's like an injection of energy. It's like, oh, I need my boost of church. I need the boost of word. And it's good. It's good. But if, if that's your intention coming into this room, I want to tell you that the minute you walk out of these doors, you'll have a good Saturday. But come Sunday, brother, you're still in front of the knowledge of good and evil. And it starts fading away. This glory of, a, of an awesome Friday just begins. The testimonies, the word of God just begins to fade away. It begins to fade away like like you're fading away, you know. (laughs) It starts fading away. And then you you wonder, oh, what's, what's happening? Why is my life not changing? I'm going to this church. I give my tithe, I give my offering. I do everything that they ask me to do. But why am I not changing? Why is my life not changing? And the reason is because you came with the wrong intention. If your, if your heart attitude here today is God, I want to receive truth that can set me free. I don't want truth so that I can argue with you. Yeah. I, so that I can have a debate. I am very intellectual and I've read the Bible. I'm not interested in your debates. Are you interested in the truth? Because it's only the truth that can set you free. Isn't that right, Eric? It's the truth that can set you free. Only the truth can set you free. Verse 18. This is beautiful. But we all, he's not talking about just you now. He's talking about the church. He's saying we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the spirit of the... is the upgrade. This is the moment of upgrade. It's not during worship. It's during the Word. It's not... come into the presence of God and my life will change yeah for sure your conscience will be revealed to you but he's trying to say something he's saying but if you can look in you into your conscience and see if there's a veil on that conscience because there's a glory on that conscience that is hidden by a veil He said, in you, in your conscience, if you've received the truth, that veil is taken off. And now, look, inside your conscience, there's a glory. And as you see and as you behold that glory of the truth of God's word, he that your mind is now transformed. You go from a glory that was fading away to a glory that remains. It's a glory that will will always excel. It's a promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion. It's an increase and a bonus and, and it's new things all the time. But it all starts with allowing the word to remove the veil. I want to invite you into an upgraded life. You can stand up.